Welcome to HACCP Mentor, where it's all about helping you make your food business compliance easier. Sit back and relax as we get our food safety, HACCP and quality compliance on. Welcome back everybody to Off The Menu. We're on to episode five, where we're going to start looking at evaluating your risk management framework. So for those of you who have not listened to our episodes before, this series for Off The Menu is basically looking at or walking through the core aspects of ISO 31000 risk management and giving you some practical guidance on how to implement it. So in our previous episode, which was episode four, we had a look at implementing the risk management framework. So as always, again, my trusty sidekick, Hmm. Peter Holtman, welcome back. So I thought this was my therapy session. And, oh, but it is. Well, hang on. Get your Medicare right. card out so I can uh, <laughs> yeah. swipe that again. You don't bulk bill? <laughs> no bulk billing for my advice, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you direction, <laughs> but I won't tell you what to do. Yes, you've got to tell people what to do. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be telling you what to do. That's for sure. I'll leave that for the experts. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to, Pete? Well, this last week I have been delivering a series of online webinars around uh, project management, actually. Well, that's a bit left to centre. It is a little bit, isn't what, it? What about project management? Oh, uh, oh, sorry, are you using the uh, the Microsoft Access tool to do that planning? Doesn't process? everybody? Doesn't everybody? <laughs> That you suggested in our previous podcast for well, everyone uses it. Yeah, I've been dealing with a bunch of accountants, so it makes perfect sense. Right. If you want to know what the what the heck we're talking about, go back to episode four. Yeah, Pete exactly. and his archaic software. Absolutely, it's not. I like a challenge. Yes. <laughs> so, what are you what are you teaching? Project management, or what are you doing with it? Yeah, well, we're talking about the inherent risks involved in project management and uh, it's, I guess it sort of follows on a little bit about what we're talking about from previous episode, which is how do you go about setting it up? Like, So how do you, how do you turn the strategy into a, into a reality? That's, that's probably the easiest way to sum it up. And how do you do that? Well, you have to pay for that advice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Get your credit you card out. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it first, Pete charges for his services and advice. Absolutely, yeah. But we're lucky enough on this podcast, off the menu. Well, you get it for free. Get yeah, that yeah. for free. Absolutely. <laughs> Good job, Bob. That's what I want to hear. I'm just actually finishing up a project with BRCGS, oh, yeah. which has been going on for a while. Um, by now, everybody should know that uh, food safety, global standard food safety, Issue 9 has dropped and it's now readily available. So I was tasked with the project of developing new case study and the training material to go with the updated version. So for conversion training for auditors and sites, consultants um, can now all go in and, and start registering for courses straight from BRCGS Educate. So I've got a few uh Actually, I've got a bit of training coming up in that space, but of course we can't, or we don't start training the standard, the new standard, until the middle of October. So we've just last week finished up. We've done our pilot project, pilot tr- 
training, I should say, with the principal trainers around the world. And now we're just tidying up the, the last bits and pieces and getting ready to get out and start training other trainers. So it's been a really, really good process to go through. Mm, so, sorry, I was just off checking my email while you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peter. Right, we're going to talk about evaluating. So we started to allude to this in the previous episode of going on and now that we've implemented the risk management framework into our business, we're going to look at evaluating. So, And it's around effectively evaluating uh, that framework and how it's been implemented and to also look at yeah, whether that framework's been effective or not effective. So there's a couple of different steps or aspects of the evaluation process. So generally how often they're conducted, what the evaluation should actually focus on, and then how to determine whether or not changes need to be made to that framework. Mm. So that's where I want to take the conversation today, Pete. So let's kick it off with how often should they be conducted? How often do you well, so this this relates to confidence in the system. So whenever you put a system in initially, you might you, you might never be a hundred percent at the beginning. If you are, there's something wrong with you for a starter. Don't do that. So the first thing is is understand your confidence level, and that comes from the amount of data and planning you've done to set up in the first place. So let me just say that you do more in the beginning and as time goes along, you reduce the number of evaluations that you need to do because you're building up a level of confidence in in your team, the culture and the process to deliver the outcomes. So what does that really mean? You're probably sitting there saying, just give me the beef. Yeah, so, that's what I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking, man. Just get to the point. Like give proact- me the beef. Right. proactively, what would I be putting on my verification schedule as a, uh, well, as a business yeah. as to when would I be doing my evaluations? So you would be doing monthly internal assessments of uh, process validation to make sure that whatever you've put in place is working. And then well, that would be verification, Pete. That's not oh, validation. No, Remember, no. validation is what we do before we make a product. Verification is what we do but after talking, the event. You're talking about product. So that's okay. Well, we can we can agree to disagree on that point. Just don't use those two words, okay? Right. Too confusing for right. people. So we're going to do we're going to do monthly checks to make sure what we said we we're going to put in place is in place and that it's actually doing its job. That's the very first thing. We then go to six monthly deeper dives to see that what we've put in place is delivering a change in how we're doing things in order to get to the desired outcome. So what does that really mean? So that means did we save money somewhere? Did we reduce the number of errors that were occurring in the system? Did we change the way people are thinking about risk on site? So it's not just about systems. Like if you talk about... HACCP or all that, that's a system, right? And there's plenty of ways of checking that. It's online, offline monitoring, all that sort of wonderful goodness. But what we're talking about with risk is behavioural changes. So we're looking at ways of evaluating behaviour change in personnel. And this could come down to interviewing. This could come down to observance of practices and behavioural assessments of people. And it could even come down to uh, another culture mapping uh, of the of the organisation within, say, six to 12 months of, of setting these things in place. 
because we're trying, as we spoke about in the last podcast, we're trying to change people's perception to risk. It's not a system. It's a behavioural way of doing things. Right. So if we, um, if we decided to do our valuations annually, yeah. would this be too far out? I'd say in the first year it's too far out because by then you, you could be implementing a lot of bad habits or you could be implementing a system that's making no change or you could be putting something in that's making the conditions worse. So you're best off doing more checking in the beginning and then scale it back as the first year passes by. Okay. So that's from a proactive perspective. Yeah. From a reactive perspective, mm. I suspect you would be re-looking or evaluating your system if, if say, you had a complaint that needed investigation. Yeah, as and when things pop up, you'd be asking, so you'd be doing what's called root cause analysis. So firstly, you're going to solve the issue that's come to hand, whatever that issue might be that's a risk-related issue. But then what you really want to do is root cause analysis on it to see what created that in the first place. And you get right down, as it says, to the root of the issue and start working on that to ensure that that doesn't occur again or the likelihood of that occurring again is significantly reduced. Okay. So that we understand that around customer compliance then. Yeah. What, when we do our, say, six-monthly or quarterly, monthly, whatever one you're going to go with initially or long, longer term, what mm-hmm. should that evaluation actually focus on? What are we looking at? Well, we're looking for how well things are embedded. So it could be, we mentioned in a previous uh, podcast, we talked about toolbox meetings. Some places may not have even started those. So we want to see that that they're being maintained. And not only they're maintained, but we want to go and judge the quality of the conversation that's occurring at it. So is this just reading off a page saying, oh, we've got to hit these numbers? Do we hit the numbers? Yeah, okay, so it's been a good day. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for more of a deeper conversation around, how could we improve this? Was there any issue that presented itself? And then how do we go about problem solving it? That's the sort of level of conversation that we're actually looking for. So we're looking for the implementation in the early days. And then we're looking for signs of sustainable practice as well. In other words, people are more proactive towards solving uh, or towards identifying risk and then managing the risk. And so how will we even spot that? If we're walking around or we're looking at stuff, maybe what we're seeing is on a risk register or a a near-miss log or a corrective actions, more people or different people are starting to fill out the log than the usual suspects like a a production or a shift supervisor or something like that or, you know, someone's always signing the records. We're actually seeing more people being involved or we're seeing that more near-miss incidents are being reported so that's the sort of stuff we're looking for. Okay. So what about when we're going back, like other areas to focus on? So do we go back to our initial purpose of our strategy and any type of uh, key indicators that we've set up? Well, sure. Is that, is that what the evaluation process is about or is it? Well, that won't be in the monthly box. That will be at the six-monthly and the annual mark to see are we hitting the mark with our initial vision of why we put risk in place in the first place, which is why are we doing things differently in our organisation? And and is that uh, and the, the question we'd ask is are we doing things differently and is it delivering the outcome? So that's the strategic uh, component of all of this, whereas the 
the the more online routine checks are about other little things occurring. So all the little things will roll up into an overall analysis saying it's working or it's not. Okay, so that's the thing that should be around this whole annual uh, evaluation, which I believe will mostly align to those people who have third-party certification in place, the annual review of your systems or your whatever system, whether it be workplace safety or food safety or, or whatever. But I also suspect that when we, you, you, you know, you're talking a lot about behaviour and, and culture and things like that, these third-party standards have now got those all mandatory written in around product culture or, or company culture and part of that is actually nominating indicators that you need to be assessing for compliance or assessing for, um, you know, success. Yeah, and I, look, I don't doubt that. And, and the, the, the reason they write those into standards is because they think you can systematise behaviours and, and, uh, and personal attributes and you really can't. But why they do that is because it makes their their standard or their system so much easier to, to audit and deliver an outcome against what we've got to remember is that when you're dealing with people, that it's a it's an analog versus a digital system. So you've got to look for other ways of assessing behavioural change that won't just come from, you know, more people signing bits of paper or more people reporting outcomes. You're seeing a uh, a different uh, set of people having a different set of conversations, and that can be a lot harder to report or record during a, a, an on-site audit or a third-party audit, for instance. So how, okay, so I get that, definitely. And and I see that, again, when I was, we were writing this um, BRC, GC, uh, BRC GS training for Issue mm-hmm. 9, one of the new requirements, there's a lot more uh, requirement for product culture uh, written into this version or this issue. Um when I was looking at, okay, so how do we actually instruct auditors to audit this clause, mm-hmm. it's very, very airy-fairy, really. There's certain things that says, you know, you must have um, indicators, you must have blah, you must have blah. But then there was that, like you were saying, that whole behavioural thing. Yep. What are ways that we can assess the success of, of behavioural change? Yeah, and again, that's uh, that's around the issue of uh, um, interview, conversation, and observation. That we're, we're looking for behavioural indicators. We're looking for how people are doing things differently, and the way we do that is by observing them in the workplace and seeing if uh, their practices have changed. Let, let me give you a, a, a more finite example around this. So we know that some areas around risk in the workplace can come from good manufacturing and good hygiene practices, right? We, we know that. It's a it's a known cause of uh, contamination of product and process as we go along. And we know that it comes from some areas more than others without pointing the, you know, the magic bone at a particular area, maintenance engineering. I didn't really say that. But... <laughs> I but, think you did. I yeah. apologise. So what we my be... views are not Peter's views. Please bear right. in mind. Yes, <laughs> his views are not shared by the establishment. Yeah, exactly. well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So what we might see is 
how they're doing things differently. Do they continually leave production doors open whilst they're doing some maintenance task or do they remember to close doors behind themselves whilst they're doing something? Or uh, do they leave non-food grade uh, chemicals and uh, and equipment, uh, not equipment, but non-food grade chemicals uh, around whilst they're, whilst they're uh, cleaning up after themselves or something something along those lines. We're looking for a change in practices that we always see. And the, the other thing is, do, do people keep taking the same shortcut through the plant in order to go and have a smoke go and avoid going through hand-washing stations and, and boot-scrubbing stations and all that sort of stuff because it just takes too long? To, have they found a, a fire exit door that's not alarmed and they're using that and they've, they've chocked it open with a brick in it so they can get in and out? <laughs> We're looking for those changes. And you might think that they're small things, but that really talks to the mindset and the behaviours displayed on site. And, and it's those issues that build up the root cause analysis that turn into bigger problems. Right, okay. Fair enough. You've got to be a little bit more forensic around what you're auditing versus just being procedural and saying, do they have a procedure written? Do they have a record that shows the procedure was followed? Do they have a corrective action log that shows that when they did the record against the procedure that something went wrong and they did something about it? Anyone can write that stuff and anyone can create it prior to an external audit. What we're really looking for is something a little bit more forensic, like, hey, did someone just walk past that ripped bag of product in the warehouse and it's spilling on the floor and no one did anything about it. About and it. I just watched 15 people walk past that bag of ripped product. Yeah. That's that's what we're talking about. That's the behavioural change. Okay. Right. That Well, that's a good example then. So is it helpful then for, for businesses to actually have a, this is what a behaviour is now, this is what we want it to become so then they've got something to um, report against. So, so it might be, okay, we did a test of 15 people walking past a rip bag and all 15 totally ignored it yep. as opposed to six months later after intensive training, intensive blah, whatever, whatever strategy we've put in place, um, now we only have five out of those 15 who totally ignore the issue would that be a, a way because I'm, and i'm only thinking in the context of um brcgs and issue nine yeah. for food it's asking you to have little projects like that it, it, the standard doesn't tell you the project you must have yeah. it's open to allow you to see okay how are you going to start changing behaviors and making a, a better culture within the organization yeah. So let me let me give you the answer. After six months of that, so month one, 15 people walk past it. You come back month six, what we're seeing is not only that the, there was no ripped bag, but that there was uh, other people talking to other people in the factory about what it means to keep a clean work environment. So that would be the example. So sometimes you, you can't directly see the outcome that you're seeking. So like five people walking past doesn't constitute a good result. What we want to see is, let's say there is a rip bag and someone walked past. The, the outcome is that someone else would then follow that person up and say, hey, did you realise you just walked past an open bag of, of product? And then they both fix the problem together. That's the sort of outcome we're looking for. That's a that's quite a big shift in behavioural change. And massive, what, massive yeah. shift. Because yeah, I, can, yeah. I can just see from a point of 
you know, I'm telling you, Pete, you've just walked past that bag. You didn't do anything about it, so you need to fix it. But mm. then you may be thinking, well, why don't you just fix it? Because you've just seen it. So why did you walk past it and not fix it? Exactly. And this is the so cultural from a management, difference. Yeah. yeah. So from a management it, perspective, like we, we know everyone's responsible for, for risk management in the yeah. organisation. So... Doesn't mean so this that. Is the, yeah, this is the leading by example stuff. So, you know what? In some countries I've been to, that exact thing will happen where the manager will stop and, and have the conversation with the person and fix it together that they both do. Even though it might be a one-person job, it doesn't matter. They've both done it together. And that's that leading by example. But there are other countries that I go to where it's like do-it-yourself type attitude or, you know, don't tell me what to do, I'll tell you what to do type thing. Yes, that's a massive, a massive shift and it's yeah. not something that's going to happen overnight, that's for sure. No, it's not. And that's why I'm saying as, as we assess these things, we're, we're looking for these indicators that are occurring. And like in some countries, it's going to be all uphill work. We know that. But when we write these standards about uh, food safety culture or cultural change to risk management, this is the intent. This is exactly what it's about. It's not about someone saying, hey, you, I just pointed the finger at you, you've done something wrong. That is not an improvement in food safety culture or any culture in anyone's language. That's not what it's about. It's very much the lead by example. Let's do this together. Let me, uh, please let me show you what's the right way of doing it. And that's how people learn, not by being smacked on the nose with a rolled up newspaper. Well, well, I'm assuming you're doing that a lot to your dog. Everyone, Pete's got a um, this new dog. Well, he's not that new now, but he, he still behaves like a new dog. dog yes. um, and you may have heard him barking in some previous episodes. He disagrees, he disagrees I didn't vehemently hear. with the content. <laughs> That's the trouble. He's got his own opinion to risk. He yeah. did. I didn't, I didn't hear the no. newspaper being rolled no. up, though, to... Uh, Give no, him an absolute flogging. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Nor a normal person would have just put the dog outside Absolutely. to start off with. But anyway, that's just me. Okay, so we know that there's going to be a, a massive uphill in okay. a lot of organisations um, to look at these expected behaviours and and going back. You know, I suppose it's we're doing this evaluation to see where we've come. Yeah, you know, we're not expecting great leaps, but I think when when you're doing your evaluation of behaviour, you want to see at least little movements of the needle in a positive manner to, you know, get there or it's a constant, it a process. constant process. It is, and that's, and that's why I said your level of confidence will increase over time with results at your accord. So... You wouldn't just say, oh, yeah, I'll put it in place. I gave them all an induction training 12 months ago and everything's great. Really? Let's go check that. So we want to be doing more frequent checks on the, let's call it the stickiness of the idea in the beginning. The more you repeat the idea and the vision and all that to people, the more it becomes sticky and the more it will stay in place. Stickiness. We're all about stickiness. And that's what we really want, isn't it? Yep. So our final um, aspect of this evaluation process is determining whether or not changes need to be made to your framework 
based on that evaluation? Yeah, so again, I think it's uh, it's digging a bit deeper than than just looking at the um, the peripheral results you get, that, that digital ones and zeros or checklist, you know, it's a yes, no type answer. What we're looking for is the, uh, the whole of company change towards the vision. And that's where we're rolling up all of these indicators back up towards the strategy, which is are people really buying into the strategy? Has it become sticky? Is it sustainable? Um, can, we, can we keep individuals accountable? And are they willing to be held accountable for issues? So that's the sort of thing we're looking for. And if we're not getting that, then we need to be tweaking certain areas. It could be more communication, more training, more more supervision. It could be, um, in some cases, more incentives to, to keep people moving on the same path that you want them to be on. And let me really uh, be quickly in prefacing that incentives only do so much. It's not it's not what drives people forward. It works for the shortest period of time incentivizing someone through some sort of reward, especially financial rewards. There's so many behavioral studies out there that says only works for such a short, finite period of time. What does work is recognition of the person. People get far more out of being recognized because it relates to ego and, and you know, particularly in front of uh, other people. Some people really like it. But definitely recognition is what keeps sustainability going. So it's about tweaking your program to maybe give more recognition and, and, and more accountability for outcomes. Okay, so that then aligns hmm. to the standard plan, do, check, act, cycle that we I think we've spoken about that in previous episodes, <laughs> I believe. Well, it's been around since Deming's time, so, you so know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it can't be a new concept out there for people. Look it up, Google it, plan, do, check, act. We've done the checking. Plan, do. Just about as old as Pete, really. That's what it comes down to. So we act on the results. So the evaluation is is that next, uh, sorry, we're acting on what we found during that evaluation. So whether that to be, yeah, make changes to your system. Hopefully it doesn't, it's not that bad that you have to in ch- change your entire strategy. Because no, then, it's tweaks. We're talking yeah, about tweaks. Just tweaks. Like, are, are we getting to where we want to be in the right amount of time? And are we seeing people doing things in a different manner according to our expectation yet? Yes or no? If not, what do we need to do to move them in that direction? Yeah. Okay, cool. So that I think we've covered everything in under evaluating your risk management framework, Peter. So good job. Um, we've had a look at how often we should conduct these evaluations. Um, we've had a look at what those evaluations should focus on. So just as a recap, really the purpose, your implementation plans, your indicators and your expected behaviour that you're getting from people. And then we've just signed off then with determining whether or not changes need to be made to your framework after doing that evaluation. So is there anything we missed there, Pete? I think we got it all. That was exhausting. It was exhausting. My goodness. (laughs) Get on with my day now, seriously. I don't need to go to the gym now. Oh. <laughs> because that's what you do all the time. You're oh, just like a yeah. picture of health. Absolutely. <laughs> so next time or next episode, what are we going to be looking at, Pete? Do you know? Mm, we're, no. No, we don't know. So we're going to surprise you. 
in the oh, next episode. But this has been episode five of Off the Menu, evaluating your risk management framework. If you've got any comments, feel free to leave them below this podcast. If you've got any questions, leave us a question. If you're listening on any of the podcast streaming platforms, give us a thumbs up. We always like to find out that people are enjoying what we do. If not, let us know that too, and we'll just probably ignore those comments. Oh, sure. Well, maybe let us know if you've tried anything and how it's working out for you. Oh, thanks, Mr. Sensible. That'd be great. Absolutely. We'd love to hear that feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, until next time. Thanks very much, everyone. You've been listening to HACCP Mentor. For all your food business, HACCP, quality and food safety compliance tools, check out our website at www.hacapmentor.com. You can also find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes to this episode.